Well, good morning. Merry Christmas. And here's a new one. Merry Incarnation. You want to say it back? Merry Incarnation. Merry Incarnation. The divine entering in. I'm sharing a story that I shared with the ladies on um, Wednesday. It's uh, about a Christmas, uh, it was Christmas Eve, and a, a judge was in a happy, merry mood, and he asked the prisoner, oh, what, what are you charged with? <sighs> Doing my Christmas shopping early, replied the defendant. Well, that's not a crime, said the judge. How early were you doing your shopping? Before the stores open. <laughs> we're going to look this morning as we celebrate this blessed time of year. We are going to look at... Mary incarnation, this mysterious truth that the hope of the gospel is based upon, that God came in the flesh. Hear God's word as it comes to us from the first chapter of the gospel of John. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him, nothing has been made. What is being said here is that Jesus is God. The triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is God. And down to verse 14. The Word. Who is the Word? God. God became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. God himself entering our brokenness. Would you bow in a word of prayer with me, please? Precious God, this is a mystery. And yet you reveal it to us. Give us eyes to see today, hearts to bow, wills to bow. God, that we might be amazed at who you are, what you've done. May it give us grace and peace, and may it give us a witness to this desperately needy world. Amen. This is what Christmas truly is. It is God entering into our world, our need, moving into the neighborhood. It is the infleshness of God, the holy mystery that a perfect and a holy God robed in righteousness and glory would step down into our broken and messy world. In Matthew's gospel, it is said this way, the virgin will be with child and he will child and will give to him a son and you shall give him the name Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. This is the incarnation that God entered in. Now, we usually say Merry Christmas, which is, you know, appropriate. Uh, But I want to encourage you to use this a few times this next week, maybe at the dinner table to impress people, or, you know, when you go to Starbucks to the barista, say, Merry Incarnation. You know, say that with me. Merry Incarnation. Can I hear it? 
Yeah, to say Mary Incarnation. You go to brunch today to the, to the waitress, oh, Mary Incarnation. Now, people are either going to go, wow, or they're going to just kind of move away from you, or it could start a nice conversation. Mary Incarnation, a big word, meaning that God enters in. The incarnation is when God interrupted the trajectory of sin, Satan, and death. He interrupted our efforts to try and live up, our expectations that we could somehow make God happy and cleanse us without any other things. He entered in because we couldn't. This is the divine interruption of Christmas. The incarnation is God breaking into our world because we could not break into his. The creator became a creature. The incarnation, the infleshness is God moving into our neighborhood, into our lives, into the struggles and the brokenness and all the places where we fail and have shame. He came not as a flash of light or an unapproachable conqueror, but into a stable first, held by a young girl and a sleepy carpenter. And I'm reading into the scripture here, but I'm kind of assuming that he was first held in arms with hands that hadn't had a manicure. You know, they weren't soft. They, they, they probably, again, I'm reading into the scripture here, but probably had some dirt under the nails and probably chapped and, and rough because that journey to Bethlehem with, with the donkey holding the harness. This divine mystery. St. Augustine, trying to grapple with this mystery, with this truth, said this, the maker of the sun chose to be born under the sun. Charles Wesley, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity, pleased as men with us to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel, God with us. God entering in. C.S. Lewis in the Chronicles of Narnia said this, In our world too, a stable once had something in it bigger than the whole world. The incarnation is the union of divine grace with our disgrace. And it is incredibly unique in all faiths the creator entering our world and becoming one of us. If you do a Google or a Wikipedia search, you will see that every religion throughout history is humanity's attempt to either reach God or to be God. Where Christianity, unique, the celebration of the incarnation, the whole basis, everything rests on the reality that God is, entered in. Say so the trajectory was to head to Easter. You know, Good Friday, his death, and then his resurrection. But if God didn't enter in, then Easter is a lie. And we are still in our transgressions and we have no hope. We, above all, the apostle Paul said, are fools. But the scripture proclaims it to be true. Because we couldn't live up, God himself, the creator, showed up. He left his riches to remove our filthy rags 
and to clothe us in righteousness. It's not a simple story of putting a nativity set on the mantle. It's the powerful, miraculous, unique mystery that the God who made us came to be one of us, that we might know him. Mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die. For God so loved the world, you and me, that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish because none of us are good enough. We need him, but have eternal life and life with him now. Arguably the most famous and well-respected musician today, U2 singer Bono. He's a Christian, and he says this of the incarnation. It was at a Christmas Eve service in Dublin that he grasped the truth that is at the very heart of the gospel message, at the very heart of the Christmas story, that in Jesus, God became one of us. And with tears streaming down his face, Bono said this, the idea that God would seek to explain himself is amazing enough. That this love of God would seek to explain itself by becoming a child born in poverty, in straw, a child. I just thought, wow, just the, the mere poetry of it. I saw the genius of picking a particular point in time and deciding to become an action or something concrete. It would have to happen. There must be in, in incarnation. Love must be made flesh. That is the Christmas story leading to the truth of the death and the resurrection. The power over sin, Satan, and death. This is the story. You know, the, the uh, series we're going through, and then Pastor Tim will, will preach next week, is promises kept. But you know, if, if this isn't true, if Jesus, God himself, didn't enter in, it was all just an elaborate, right? Great idea so they could sell Christmas decorations at Walmart. <laughs> then none of the promises are true. But this was foretold, it was promised, and it happened. And because of this, every single promise is true in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Amen? Because this is good news, people. The implications of this Mary incarnation are unbelievable. We humans are granted an unbelievable dignity. It says something about our worth in the sight of God, that he would give it all up to enter in, to suffer, to die. It is humbling. The incarnation, as Tim Keller points out, is the end of thinking we are better than anyone else. Isn't it fun sometimes that you're just better than someone else? This says no. This is an even playing field. We come by the blood of Jesus Christ or we don't come at all. This, this manifestation of God coming to us puts us all. None of us can work our way to God. We didn't have a hope. 
The message of the incarnation is the humility that God brings us to as we humble ourselves before his throne, because none of us are worthy apart from his grace. Amen? Amen? Hey, I think that's great news. I mean, that's how I'm like, ooh, wow. It means that we are not alone. He walks with us in our sorrows, our sin, our insecurities, our struggles, because he loves us and he lived with us and he rose again. His feet have touched this earth. He has walked more than a mile in our shoes. He fully understands. Father George Calco put it this way. Christ did not come to explain human suffering or to eliminate it. He came to fill human suffering with his presence. This is an implication of the incarnation that he showed his love by entering in. It also has implications for our daily life, for our behaviors, for our attitudes. It is about our salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ. It is also calling his followers to, as Peter wrote, follow in his footsteps. Not because we have the strength to do so, because he empowers us with his Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul writing in Philippians says to the church that has struggles, you know, they're not all getting along. Not everybody likes each other on Facebook and in the church in Philippi. But this is the word to the church at Philippi, and it is the word to us today. In your relationships with one another, have the very same mindset as Jesus Christ, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to their own, his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. What Paul is saying to the church in Philippi and to us today is that because of this incarnation of God coming to us, dying for us, he calls us to have the very same attitude that we humble ourselves and, and, and we fail so many times, which is why we continuously repent and continuously ask for the power of God to work in our and through us. You know, God came into our broken, messy life and loved us. And he calls us as followers of Jesus Christ to break into the messy, broken lives of all those around us, no matter how well dressed they are how well manicured their home is. Everybody needs the Lord. And, you know, in my experience, most, I don't know anybody, quite frankly, and, you know, maybe you do, and we can talk about it later, but I don't know anybody who's been argued into the kingdom. You know, I, I love apologetics. I think it's good to have that understanding, but, you know, I have not seen anybody hunted in and, you know, dragged in. That's, mm-mm. But I have seen... People living in a dark, desperate world, seeing a community of believers forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ, filled with his Holy Spirit, having the attitude of Christ and sacrificially living and giving and dying to themselves. Like, like uh, the, John the Baptist said, less of me and more of you, oh God. 
I've seen people in this world turn their life, have God turn their lives around, not by an argument, but a life submitted to the incarnational God. That is an implication of what God did. You know, as we say goodbye to 2021, I mean, it's been one for the books and Lord knows what 2022 is going to hold. I would encourage all of us to just bow before the throne of God and confess all the broken areas, all our failures. We've all had them. Take hold of this incarnational grace and then ask God to empower you to have the very same attitude of Christ, living like him and for him. In the book, The Trivialization of God, it's a story uh, of surgeon Richard Seltzer. It's written that in spite of his best efforts, the surgeon had to cut a nerve in a young woman's cheek in order to get to a tumor. The result was that her mouth was permanently droopy and misshapen. Dr. Seltzer was uncertain as to how her husband would respond to the change. Therefore, he was encouraged when the young man came in and was warm and caring to his wife, even joking about her new cute look. But when he saw what happened next, Dr. Seltzer's encouragement turned to awe. The young husband bent down towards his wife and he twisted his lips to fit her crooked mouth. And he gently kissed her. See, that is the incarnation. That God, making himself nothing, twisted to fit our brokenness. That we might be redeemed and made new. And he calls us into a world where everybody we meet is drooping something, hurting, broken. And he calls us with that love of Christ to love them. This incarnation means that we are called to live by faith, humble daily, minute by minute by faith, enabled by his power to die to ourselves, entering the brokenness of others, entering their messiness and reflecting this love. I want to close with a story by Max Licato. Max Licato is an author and a pastor. <coughs> and in an angel story, Max Licato describes an imaginary conversation between God and Lucifer just before Jesus is born in Bethlehem, just before the incarnation. The king walked over and reached for the book. He turned it towards Lucifer and commanded, Come, deceiver, read the name of the one who will call your bluff. Read the name of the one who will storm your gates. Satan rose slowly off his haunches, and like a wary wolf, he walked a wide circle toward the desk until he stood before the volume and read the word. Emmanuel, he muttered to himself, then spoke in a tone of disbelief, God with us? For the first time, the hooded head turned squarely toward the face of the father. No, 
Not even you would do that. Not even you would go that far. You never believed me, Satan. But Emmanuel, (laughs) I mean, this plan is bizarre. You you don't know what it's like on earth. You, You don't know how dark I've made it. It's putrid. It's evil. It's It is mine, proclaimed the king, and I will reclaim what is mine. I will become flesh. I will feel what my creatures feel. I will see what they see. But what if there's sin? I will bring mercy. What if there's death? I will give life. Satan stood speechless and God spoke. I love my children. Love does not take away the beloved's freedom, but love takes away fear. And Emmanuel will leave behind a tribe of forgiven, fearless children. They will not fear you or your hell, said God. Satan stepped back at the thought. His retort was childish. They will too. I will take away all sin. I will take away the final death. Without sin and without death, you have no power. Around and around in a circle, Satan paced, clenching and unclenching his wiry fingers. When he finally stopped, he asked a question that even I was thinking. Why? Why would you do this? The father's voice was deep and soft. And he said, because I love them. Because I love them. That is the incarnation. He did it because he loves us. And maybe you are in a place of shame and darkness right now, and you are listening to the lies of the evil one. But there is a God who entered in. And because he entered in, because he lived a perfect holy life, because he willingly suffered and died, and by his own power and holiness rose again. We can know that that love is for today. He loves you. He loves me. And he calls us to love this desperately hurting world. And this is why the incarnation is Mary. God became one of us that we might know his grace and his mercy. Mary incarnation. Would you bow in a word of grace, a word of prayer with me, please? And I hope it is a word of grace. God, thank you that you meet us where we're at. Thank you for your word, which is true. Thank you that because the incarnation happened, We can trust that the resurrection happened. We can trust every promise that you give. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would come in such a way that wherever we're just being overwhelmed with our brokenness, that we would be reminded that you love us and that you would empower us and help us to have your attitude love in this world in the way that you loved us. In your holy name we pray. Amen and amen.